Welcome to the 149th episode of the Young Turfs podcast from the Viner 48 studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we welcome in another very special guest. This week, Eric Hayes joins us to talk about last night's game a little bit and his time with the Terps and overseas playing professional basketball. And uh, yes, stay tuned for Eric later on in the episode. But before we get into all things happening with the Terps, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, shine, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, to kick things off on today's non report, the number 10 Lady Terps waxed to number 19 Iowa at home 93-59, to avenging a loss earlier in the season to take sole possession of first place in the Big Ten women's basketball standings. Maryland had five players in double figures, led by Kayla Charles yet again with 21 points and nine boards. Yeah, Kayla Charles really making her case now for Big Ten Player of the Year. Uh, the Terps basketball team starting to look like they do on the uh, lacrosse side. Jordan uh, winning both uh, divisions, or both men's and women's in basketball now. Yeah, we can see a, a possibility this year where men's basketball, women's basketball, and men's and women's lacrosse all win Big Ten regular season titles, but let's... uh. We're getting a bit ahead of ourselves on that one. The Terps take on Penn State today at two o'clock. So by the time this you listen, to, most of you listen to this game will be over. You can check the results yourself. Uh, wrestling is hosting Northwestern today as part of the Beauty and the Beast event. Uh, not expecting much from this one, honestly. Northwestern's ranked, so yeah, it should not be expecting a lot there, but should get a nice crowd for the Beauty and the Beast. It's always a nice event out there in College Park. On the other side of that, the Jim Terps uh, they're hosting Rutgers today as part of the Beauty and the Beast event, as we just mentioned. And uh, let's talk about some tennis. Uh, on the tennis court, tennis won their first match in Big Ten play Friday on the road at Rutgers 5-2. to Next, the tennis Terps host James Madison and the University of Mary Washington next Saturday. I'll be honest, I don't know where University of Mary, Mary Washington is, Mason. Neither do I, Jordan. Good. Um, on to lacrosse. Women's lacrosse suffered their first loss of the season at number 14, Florida, 15-14. to Tough loss, but... Hey, it's one of those you're going to lose eventually. Might as well be in uh, February instead of May. The yep. Terps take on number two UNC on the road next Saturday for the next chapter in one of the best rivalries in lacrosse. Yes, it is, Jordan. That game, actually, the Terps lost at home. And guess what the Terps' home winning streak that was broken yesterday was? Oh, geez. Uh, like 90-something games, I'm going to say. You're close. 86 games in a row the Terps won at the field hockey and lacrosse complex. That streak broken by Florida yesterday with that 15-14 to loss. But as you put it best, Jordan... Better now than in May. On to softball. Uh, the softball trips are having a very bad weekend. The team is 0-3 in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. They lost to Pitt 8-5. They lost to host Clemson twice, including a 21-2 blowout yesterday. Um, they played again today. We do not have the score on that on yet. Um, but the softball is off to a rough start this season. Yeah, rough start on uh, uh... Uh, there, 21-2 to two is just kind of unacceptable as far as I'm concerned. But the Terps travel to Georgia Southern to play in the Eagle Round Robin next weekend. Uh, maybe some chances for some wins there, hoping for a better weekend for the softball Terps uh, at Georgia Southern. Oh, can we go up from here? Softball is off to a rough start to the season. The baseball diamond, though, is better for the Terps. 
Uh, Maryland has started 2-0 this season on the diamond with wins over Charleston Southern and Iona. Today, the Terps face the uh, College of Charleston. Uh, 2-0 is a good start. Baseball has some high expectations this year. Yes, they do, um, and they're off to a good start. I believe it was a 10-run win to start off the season against uh, Charleston Southern and then a win, another win against Iona. Uh, you got to hope that they sweep the weekend and they're off to a 3-0 and start. Uh, yep, and uh, also baseball will start their home season next weekend with a three-gamer from Friday to Sunday against Rhode Island. So hopefully the Terps can keep the good times rolling. Yes, they can. These early season wins are really important for this baseball team to kind of get that good mojo that they weren't able to get going last year going for them. And then to your Maryland sport, your specialty Mason lacrosse had a crazy game against number six Penn yesterday. Yeah, game of runs it was. The Terps down by, I believe, as many as five or six goals in this one to uh, what is the number, I believe, the number nine team in the country in Penn. Uh, they fire back, get some goals from their big players, go in an amazing run to finish the game, get that 17-15 to 15 win, proving a lot of the haters wrong. A lot of people had Penn winning big in this game after the Terps slipped up a little bit last weekend at Richmond. But, you know, a win's a win, and especially a top-10 win. Yep, uh, Penn is number six, just for clarification. And the Terps face another Philly school this week, going to Villanova on Tuesday at 4 o'clock. I don't know if this is coincidence, but so far from the first three games of the cross season, every game is the same day as Maryland's basketball game, which is a bit inconvenient in my opinion. Yeah, maybe a little bit inconvenient there. Villanova team definitely to watch out for this game on Tuesday. Uh, going to be an important one for the Terps. Villanova, a team that's known for knocking off teams like Yale early in the season. I believe they beat Penn State last year. Uh, they they are a giant killer in the game of uh, college lacrosse, and, and this one's going to be another one uh, for the Terps to win and really a team to keep the eye on as, as the season rolls on. And after Villanova, you have a four-game home stretch with some headliners. I'm going to read you the four games, Mason. You can tell me which one excites you the most. you got Navy, Notre Dame, Albany, and Virginia all coming to College Park. Those are some big names coming into uh, Maryland Stadium. Yeah, Virginia, obviously the one that you have to point out being the most – uh, intriguing matchup there. You see teams like Navy, Notre Dame, and Albany, all of those great games, but those are teams that the Terps always play. Virginia, the national champions coming in, I believe they're number one right now in the country. Uh, that That's going to be your big-time game. And on to some non-Rev non news. We got the possibly biggest news of the week. Uh, Daryl Pines has been named the next president of the University of Maryland. Pines is the current dean of engineering and is the father of former All-Big Ten soccer player Donovan Pines. He will assume the role on July 1st, 2020. I'm not going to pretend I know what's really going on here, but it seems like a good hire and one that might favor more athletics. Yeah, you would hope so. And definitely um, on the soccer field, uh, they should be getting a lot of support, just like President Lowe has given the soccer team from, uh, I guess, what do you call him? Like, Is his name President Pines yet, Jordan? Uh, I guess not. He's still Dean Pines until July 1st. Well, I guess we'll call him Dean Pines for now. I've heard him speak at multiple athletic events. Very impressive guy. Knows his way around Maryland Athletics. Obviously has the connection with Donovan Pines being uh, really one of the all-time great Maryland soccer defenders. I like it, but I'm not so sure. You know, we've seen lack of support from the administration. We've seen support from the administration. So hopefully we'll just go into a new era where we always support our athletic teams and we always support what our coaches are doing. 
Well, on the non on the non athletic side, you hope he's a more student favored. I know Wallace Lowe has really uh lost a ton of student support, which is one of the reasons he's uh retiring, especially with the uh Abestos thing in the last year or so. It's been a tough year for the Maryland school in general. Yeah, and the mold. I mean, there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong for President Lowe as his tenure is ending, and you can throw that retiring up there with some air quotes around it, Jordan. Yeah, you can. Um, so Maryland football has completed its 2024 schedule with the addition of the Toledo Rockets. This will be the first ever meeting between Toledo and Maryland. The Terps also host UConn and travel to UVA in 2024, and this is the fourth MAC team the Maryland will play in the next few years. Also lining up with Northern Illinois, Kent State, and Buffalo. Um, not much to say about this one, but it's worth mentioning that they ran it out in 2024, but 2021 still has a gap in the schedule, which uh, they need to address sooner rather than later. Yes, they do. And this one, uh, a lot of people are kind of pointing at it and saying it's that slide-in move. If UConn is to go down to the FCS, they'll slide that Toledo game to be, you know, that other FBS game. Uh, there's a lot of expectation that UConn will slide down to the FCS. That's why they threw Toledo in the schedule this early, knowing that they might uh, not they be might able to throw them. an FCS team in there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know what's up with the Terps of the MAC recently, the four MAC teams. And they flew a building green a couple years ago. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what's up with that. But I don't know. I like Toledo. I've always liked Toledo more than I probably should, considering they're nothing special. But. Good to see the Terps uh, adding teams. I really am curious going on with 2021, though. That's only next, that's next season at this point. They need to, need to get on that. Yeah, and they will. We'll, we'll, we will have a decision for that game uh, coming sooner rather than later. Quick note, back on the lacrosse field, seven Terps named to the men's and women's Tawartan award watch list, uh, four on the women's side, three on the men's. Uh, if either side takes home the Tawartan award this year, it will be a 10 total Terps uh, an all-time taking home the Heisman of the lacrosse field, and that will be the most of any school in history. So big year. If a Terp can take home the Tawartan this year, Maryland will have the most combined Tawartans of any uh, school. And finally, some more football news. Uh, another player into the transfer portal. This one is safety Deion Jones. Jones, this is a big loss. Jones is a rising junior who played 10 games last season, started six. And uh, there's no word on really why this has happened, but it's safe to say this is a bit of a blow. Um, especially, again, the secondary is so thin that losing yep. a player that might be in the contention to start is a bit of a shot. Yeah, I will agree with the first or the the latter of the statements you made. I don't think this is a big loss for the Terps. Deion Jones, a very highly rated player coming into Maryland. Uh, he had an injury his senior year that kind of changed him speed-wise from a corner to a, def to a safety uh, he's never really had that much success with the Terps at safety. Anton Richardson, a player that you have to factor into the equation, he'll be returning from his injury last year, clouding up the safety position that Jones uh, had started at this year. He kind of lost the starting job to this year. Uh, I think it was time for Deion Jones to go ahead and take a change of scenery, but a, a knock to the depth that the Terps had. And that will do it for our rundown. So now to the main event, and it was a main event. The Terps win at Michigan State. Mason, this was one of uh, this was a one. I'm just say it's one hell of a game. Um, what were your thoughts on Maryland's crazy comeback victory over the Spartans? Yeah, I think the game started off um, with with that big game feel. Michigan State knocking down some threes. Anthony Cowan knocking down some threes from the Terps. But as the game progressed, it just had that 
big-time feeling, you know, back and forth. Terps take a 14-point lead, then lose it all, down by seven uh, with, what was it, Jordan, a minute 30 um, left or two minutes and 30 left? Two minutes, 30 seconds left. And, you know, there's so much to talk about in this game, but you have to start the ending for this one. It was such an epic ending. Sticks hits a three, then Ant hits a three, then Ant hits another three, and Ant hits another three. It was, it was Anthony Cowan's. You talk about Maryland moments that you see, like Bello hit the three against Wisconsin, or the breaking ton time there's ankles against Michigan State. Grievous had a couple of them. This might have been Anthony Cowan's Maryland moments. That last two and a half minutes where he scored, I think, twelve points, was on fire from three. Just. It had me, and I'm not exaggerating, I was running around my apartment screaming. Like, it was just an epic feeling. And I, Mason, I know you missed a chunk of this game, but I know you were just hyped up beyond belief, too. Yeah, I did not miss a chunk of this game. I missed maybe five minutes of it in total. The guy, though, that I think was very important to Maryland's win is Dante Scott. He gives the Terps nine points. He's been really struggling on the offensive end, but there was a point in the game where Maryland had missed a few shots, and Scott drove to the basket and got an easy layup for the Terps. That's a big shot from him. You know, this was a team effort. It, it as always, starts with Jalen and Anthony, and they both produced it, 24 and 17 points, 24 coming from Callen, 17 from Smith. Daryl Morsell only gives the Terps a point on the road, but it just, when they needed it most, Anthony Callen was there, but when everything was flowing, you can see how great this team can be. But yet again, you see, they get punched in the mouth. I mean, they, they looked like they were out of it. I, I really almost wrote the L next to this one and, and kind of moved on with Maryland being right back in the mix with Penn State now for the Big Ten Championship or that sole share of the Big Ten Championship. But no, the Terps battle back yet again this season and they pull off another win in a really hostile environment. I mean, Michigan State had a great, great crowd going for this game. Yeah, um, I was right there with you. I... When, we were watching, when I was watching the game, I was thinking towards the end, I was like, man, I got to go on the podcast tomorrow and talk about us losing. I really didn't want to do that because it's been so much fun to win. This is our eighth straight victory. And this one, I'm going to have to, I don't know if I'm going to, we can talk about this. I'm going to have to rank this one above the Illinois game just in terms of how big this one felt. But it felt like we are dying out because I think one of the reasons is you can really identify Michigan State's whole thing this game. Now, Maryland was a top 10 team. We were the bad guys in this scenario. We were the guys coming in and we were going to beat the unranked opponent. But Michigan State had this whole big game thing going and it felt like this was their game to get back on track. They really did because they were chipping away at us. They had playing great defense. We were getting washed on the rebounds. And it just didn't happen. Anthony Cowan did not allow the team to go away and lose. And that says a lot. Um, I saw a lot of people were kicking around that he was still not in the Bob Cousy Awards watch list. Yeah, it's Earl Morsell throwing that one out. Which is uh, still rubbing the team and the fan base the wrong way, apparently. I can't really blame them. I mean, how um, can but you? This, I don't know. But this was Anthony Cowan's game. It really was. And we can talk about more in a second. But I saw a lot of people also throw up the idea around. Sean Tell gets a nod for this one that Anthony Cowan should be Regardless if he's an American after this season, which I think he will be, but he should have his name up in the rafters at Xfinity Center. And games like this make me th kind of agree that he should, regardless if he's an American or not. Yeah, uh, I have to agree with that one at this point. It, it kind of goes into the way the season ends. But but Cowan should be up there. You know, top 10 scorer now, near top in 
I think he's top 10 in assists too, Jordan. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong there. But I, I just have something to say going back here now uh, over a month uh, into the time where we all doubted this team. And a statement that I made was somebody in this locker room used to say that that's not how Maryland plays and then set an example of it. I think that's exactly what Anthony Cowan's done. He's gone to this locker room. He refuses to let this team lose. You can see the effort. You can see the the urging on of his fellow teammates to make plays. You can see everything that we talked about for this season to come back on track. Uh, I think you can all see it come to fruition for once. You know, this team's gone up instead of down. Every other Turgeon team that we've seen, and we kind of get to this a little bit with Eric Hayes. I asked him a question uh, similar to this. That interview is still coming up in this podcast. They finally put it together is what it looks like. Instead of going down at this point, they're going up. They're trending the right direction as we near uh, March, and uh, they still have some big games. They still have business to take care of, but right now I, I love the way this team's looking. Yeah, I agree with you. Um some things you gotta throw out there just in kind of concern because we were gonna we were gonna lose this game is and this is something Mark Trishel said at the half going into halftime. When Michigan State had that run right before the half, he mentioned that Maryland got selfish on offense and that was a problem. And that really did become a problem in the first and the second half that the Terps started playing hero ball a little bit, which is for those who don't know the term, when you when you as a player decide you're gonna score instead of the team is gonna score and we're gonna run the offense. And that's something that we haven't really seen this season from the Terps, but that is a huge area of concern. That cannot happen to win games in the Big Ten, and that really hasn't been a thing this season. I don't know what happened. I think Eric Ayala took some bad shots, um, but that can't happen. And I'm glad he mentioned that specifically because he realized it was happening, but that's that's something I really don't like seeing, and that's something that cannot happen if you're going to win the Big Ten. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. You know, playing team basketball and playing – together when moments get tough, especially on the road in any sport, is something uh, that can never be, you know, overestimated, having that player, a true point guard that can really distribute the basketball and kind of draw maybe a quick double and dump it down low for a layup or something like that. You know, those kind of rhythm plays that you get when you execute well, they, they needed one of those in that moment. They really weren't able to find it, and it's nice to see the Turgeon you know, he's willing to talk about it. It's not only that he notices it. He he went ahead and said that to, I think it was Holly Rowe that was doing sideline yesterday. It's just a refreshing thing to see from Coach Turgeon that it seems like they're addressing these problems. You know, I know this game kind of was one in that classic Mark Turgeon sense where his point guard throws up with some threes. But this year, it seems like them having that 14-point lead and then losing it and battling back on the road time and time again, this team actually has an identity. It's not just Anthony Cowan jacking up threes. There's more to it. There's more camaraderie, and they're more of just a winning team than I think we've seen in the past. Yeah, I agree with that. And they did overcome those flaws. That's important to remember. The other thing that happened, and this is one thing I was afraid of going into the game because look, Sticks is a great player. He's a great rebounder. He can't throw at his eighth straight double-double, which I think is Maryland record now. Um, but... Xavier Tillman is not as good as player sticks, but he is a better rebounder. And that was something that I was watching going into the game. And Maryland got out in the rebounds early, and they really dominated the glass. They were up, I think, 12 in the rebound margin at halftime. But in the second half, Michigan State took the overall game lead in rebounds. They were just getting killed on the boards. And 
we saw that if Sticks gets taken away by Tillman, which kind of happened, that there wasn't many, many secondary rebounders. And that's a big fear of mine for this team is that they don't have any players that can rebound. And we saw that kind of exposed in the second half. That may be the Achilles heel of this team if it has one. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that being an issue. But, you know, they survived. And, and I think that's something important. Jordan, your final thoughts on the Terps' huge win in the Breslin Center last night. That was an epic game. It was, I hate saying this, but it was really cool to see Ant just take the wind out of Breslin Center like that. That was a statement win if you ever had one. You beat the premier program in the Big Ten on the road. And, um, like, that was Anthony Cowan's day. Just named today Anthony Cowan Day because he made a statement yesterday. And I am thrilled that he's in our corner this season. And now let's get to Eric Hayes. And we do continue our discussion about the Terps win in the East Lansing with Eric. Uh, hope you enjoy our interview with Eric Hayes. Don't talk. Now we welcome in Eric Hayes to the Young Turfs podcast. Eric, how are you doing on this victorious Sunday morning? I'm doing real well. I'm doing real well. How are you guys doing? We're doing just fine. Last night helped uh, quite a bit with <laughs> getting rid of some of those Sunday blues. Uh, let's go ahead and start off with your opinions of last night's game. Anthony Cowan, absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a great finish, obviously. Uh, Anthony's been... He's been playing big all year. He's been clutch all year. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that has uh, kind of been the, the story of the season. I mean, we've always been been great defensively for the majority of the season. We're really locked in at the end of that game. And, and then Anthony just took over and made some some big shots. And some other guys made some big plays to, to kind of drive and kick to him and, and get him some open shots. So it was just a great defensive effort down the stretch and then a great great run by Anthony there late. Well, something I noticed, maybe you could uh, chime in as a uh, experienced basketball player, is inexplicably to me, Michigan State started going under screens again, which let Anthony Cowan let rip on threes. I had no idea why they did that because it was working all game to go over and keep him, you know, tight in the perimeter. Do you have any idea why they would have switched on their uh, strategy there? No, I, I was I was thinking the same thing. I mean, even the the first three he hit, you know, in the corner. You know, even Jay Billis was talking about you never help off a, a guy in the corner, especially, you know, you know, arguably our best best player and the guy who's who's our best, maybe our best three-point shooter. And, uh, you know, Marcel, he was driving. He really didn't have a lane to the basket. There's really no need to help there. And that kind of got him going. Um, and then, you know, uh, I think it was uh, somebody else drove to the middle and guy and guy helped off again. And kicked it to Anthony, and he, he got another open three. And and then I think the final one was, you know, just a hot ball screen. And <laughs> inexplicably, the guy ends up going underneath the screen and getting gets kind of runs into his own man and, uh, and gets another open one. And he's going to he's going to make those majority of the time. Yeah, you talk about right. how in some of these big moments, senior leaders step up. Eric, you were one of those senior leaders in your last year at Maryland. Do you just get that? like extra push from it. You know, this is your last time around you're playing kind of for something more. If you're Anthony Cowan right now, you don't know if you're going to end up in the NBA next year, you hope for it, but this could be the end of your basketball career at this level. Do you think that's pushing him even more so to make those big shots and to be kind of present in these moments? Yeah, I think for him being a senior, you know, obviously, you know, every game is, is much more important, you know, just because it's your last, last go around in college. And, you know, this is, depending on whether or not he makes it NBA or plays overseas, you know, most people will tell you that, you know, 
playing in college and especially at Maryland are going to be probably the, the, the most fun you're going to have playing basketball. And, uh, you know, they've also, I mean, they've got the added, they've got something to play for. They're trying to win a, a regular season, big 10 championship. And, and this is a, a huge game, uh, you know, determining that. And, uh, it really kind of puts them in the driver's seat after, after last night. Well, Eric, that kind of funnels into talking about your career at Maryland. You played in four seasons at the Terps, three of which made the tournament. And your last season is one I'm sure that you see on Twitter and such that people still talk about all the time. But what was your favorite year at Maryland? Oh, I mean, it had to be my senior year. You know, we uh, we had a, a pretty special group, I thought. Um, you know, we were always kind of a little undersized and kind of uh, underdogs, you know, even going into the year. Uh, and uh, I think we just had a bunch of guys that, you know, really played together, loved playing with each other, loved being around each other. I think our, our chemistry was one of the big things that, that really pushed us to, to, to win the regular season uh, and then, you know, get into the tourney. And obviously the tournament didn't end how we wanted it, but I thought we were capable of really making a deep run that year. Oh, that makes two of us. I still remember <laughs> that Michigan State game. I can still see actually it like perfectly in my head. Um, that must have been a tough loss for you guys to take. That that buzzer beer against Michigan State. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's obviously when you're a senior, this is it. You know, and and for it kind of to happen on a a flukish play where you know the guy you know makes a pass and big guys run down the court and he kind of ducks out the way at the last minute and he goes right to Corey Lucius and you know he hits a, a buzzer beater. It's kind of a especially after the way he came back and, and fought back and, and took the lead late. You know, I was a it took the, the wind out of your sails for sure. And it's a tough one to tough one to swallow. Yeah, there are also a lot of special moments that year. You talk about the Duke game for a share of the ACC regular season championship. That game against Clemson where you guys charged back. Really, where do you think that team kind of took the next step? Because everyone's talking about this one. You know, you see that win that they had against Illinois on the road and now this one against Michigan State. Can you kind of see that they have taken that next step that you guys took on the way to that ACC or share of an ACC regular season championship? Yeah, you know, our, our season, my senior year, was a little little different than this team's uh, year. They, you know, this year's team started out really hot. Uh, I don't know. I think maybe in 12-0 and 0 or something and, and were, were ranked pretty high. I think they got to number two, uh, I guess, and uh, kind of went through a midseason lull where they weren't playing as well and weren't making shots. And, and I think my my uh, my senior year, we uh, we ended up we ended up, we went out to Maui. We lost I think two out of three out there. And then after that trip, we kind of kind of got things together and started putting together some some wins. And you know, I don't know. I think it was just one of those things where you know, my senior year, we were I don't know, we weren't playing up to our capability earlier in the year. And I think as the season went on, we just got better and better and got more confident as the year went on. And uh, I think that really showed uh, throughout, you know, once we hit the ACC season, you know, we didn't lose at home. That was a big thing for us was, you know, protecting our home court. And uh, these guys are doing the same this year as well. Um, so I think that's a, a huge thing. And when you're trying to win a, a conference conference title is, is, is protecting the home court. And, and then uh, also if you can take care of business on the road, uh, that's, a, that's a recipe to, to win a, a regular season a title. So on the, I guess, bigger career scale, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you came into Maryland as more of a one guard, but you kind of finished more of a two. How did that transition happen? Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I was high school. I mean, mainly I was mainly I played the point. You know, I, I mean, obviously, 
I could play the two because uh, of my shooting ability. But uh, I think just as as the years went on in Maryland, you know, I, I was I probably you know started out my my soft, uh, freshman and sophomore year playing you know probably seventy five percent one and twenty five percent two, and then as the years went on and, and kind of Gravis became more you know established as he's the main ball handler and our main guy uh, that. I think it really worked out well for us to where he was the main the main playmaker and and getting his his own shots and creating shots for others is where I could I could I could take the ball as well and 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 get him off the ball to get him shots when he needed them. So I think it was really a a good back and forth between me and Gravis to to kind of go into one or two whether or not you know who was hot or who was needing to get shots or how uh, who was in the game. So I think it 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 kind of evolved over the years just based on you know Gravis being as good as he was and then myself being able to to shoot the ball well and and also move back to the one to to get other people uh shots as well you still talk to anybody from the uh your time in Maryland whether it be the coaches or your fellow players oh yeah actually I actually yesterday I uh went up to I'm living in Nashville right now, so I went up to Middle Tennessee State. They're playing UAB, which their head coach is Rob Eason, who was an assistant for for Maryland uh, when I was there. So he's he's doing pretty well at UAB. I saw him yesterday. You know, and I, I stay in contact with the majority of the guys as much as I can. Um, usually every month or so, I'll I'll, I'll reach out and, and try to see how people are doing, see what guys are up to, and uh, yeah. So I'm also I'm coming back. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I guess, uh, for the for the Michigan State game. Uh, this is the first game we've been back in a couple of years, so I'm, I'm real excited to, to get out there and check them out. Oh, what was the last game you saw in Maryland? Oh, man, last game I saw in Maryland. I want to say maybe it was an Illinois game two years ago is, is my guess. I did also this year I went up to Indiana when they played at Indiana. I was at that game, so that was a, that was a heck of a game to be at. I mean, that was a – a game where I thought, you know, majority of the second half, it was, wasn't looking very good and it looked like we were down and out, but somehow, uh, somehow pulled it out there in Bloomington. Yeah, Eric, you just talked about the way they pull, they're starting to pull these games off. And it's just, it's so impressive to see, you talk about, especially that game against Indiana, tough environment on the road. You know, they play now in three of these games. It starts to kind of build confidence that they're going to be right there in March possibly pushing, you know, Elite Eight, Final Four levels. Are you seeing that out of the way this team is fighting right now? Because they're certainly playing with a lot more passion than we've seen in the past from kind of that Turgeon coach team. You know, they're fighting them out on the road now. They're punching other teams in the mouth. Jalen Smith is playing with, like, that passion for Maryland. Can you see this team making it deep into March now? Yeah, I definitely do. I mean, I think, uh, you know, they've over the past few years, it seems that I don't know what – why or, or or what the reasoning would be, but you know it seems to, for some reason, at the end of the games, you know, not execute or, or not get a stop or not make the shot, you know, and, and I guess over the years you build that confidence, and and, and this year it's really uh, coming to fruition where they're, you know, they've they've been in a lot of close games and they've they've won a lot of close games, and that gives you a confidence of of when you know no matter what the situation is in the second half, you know that, that they have the confidence they can come back and and get it done and win and. uh I think that's something in the NCAA tournament where it's going to be maybe a lot of close games and, and they've got a lot of experience playing in those close games. And it helps to have, you know, two All-American candidates uh, in, in Sticks and, and Anthony that can that can carry a team down the stretch and, and 
you know, especially in the NCAA tournament, guard plays is very important. And uh, you got a guy like Anthony who can take over games is is very helpful. Got a couple more questions on your career. Just out of curiosity, you spent a few years playing overseas. What was it like to play? I think you played Spain and Lithuania. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Yep. What was that experience like? It was it was pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, uh, like when I got to Spain, my uh, my first year, uh, like there's one other guy, one other American on the team, and you know, mostly everybody else doesn't speak English, so you kind of you're kind of leaning on some guys to to translate for you. The coach didn't speak great English, that type of stuff. So it's a lot of adjustments when it comes to the culture and language and, and just different style of basketball that you've got to, you've got to adapt to. And uh, then my second year in, in Lithuania was a bit different. A lot more people spoke English there, but uh, still, you know, being in, being across the, across the world uh, away from family and friends, it's, it's tough. You know, it's not as, <laughs> not as glamorous as, as most people would think. Um, you think you're playing, you're playing professionally and that's great. Yeah. You're getting paid to play, but uh, you're also making a lot of sacrifices uh, to, to go over there as well to play. So well, and all in all, it was, it was a great experience for me. Um, and I was, uh, and I was blessed to be able to be able to do that for a couple of years. And my other question is, this is something we have to ask all of our guests now, I guess. Um, what was your favorite Maryland memory of all your time at college park? <clears throat> oh man, my favorite memory, my four years, you know, I, the, the, uh, the Georgia Tech game is up there for me where Cliff Tucker hit the shot where I made the pass. Um, you know, that was a huge game for us that year. You know, if we would have lost that game, I don't think we would have been able to, uh, you know, have a share of the ACC championship that year. Um, but the, the best is senior night, you know, against Duke, uh, you know, ending a, ending a season, you know, beating Duke on senior night at your home court. Um, the, the fans were just amazing. And, that was basically locking up uh, at least a share for for the regular season championship was uh, that was by far my 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 best moment in my four years. We were there for both those games, weren't we, Mason? <laughs> yes, we were, and those are two of my <laughs> my favorite Maryland moments. I, that Duke game just holds a special place in my heart. I was what Jordan? I think you were eight years old for that one. <laughs> yeah, out there at nine o'clock on a Wednesday, probably one of the best environments I've ever seen in College Park, and definitely kind of one of those first Maryland moments that I have, and now there are so many of them, but that one definitely sticks out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Hey, Mason, you got anything else? Uh, Yeah, I got one more. Eric, you seem to be quite the passionate uh, DC sports fan out there. Can you kind of share some moments that you've had? You know, this has been such a special time for DC sports. Yeah, man. (laughs) Most of my, most of my life, uh, being just uh, depressed most of the time about the, the sports in DC. You know, we've always the Caps have been always been good, Nats have always been good. You know, the, uh, Redskins have not. Obviously, the Wizards have not. And uh, you know, the past couple of years with first the Caps. I mean, I'm a big hockey fan, um, and I've I've loved the Caps. You know, since I could remember uh, watching, and uh, that was just a sweet run. And then, you know, I think I think this past year with the Nats may have been even sweet even sweeter. You know, it was just. Uh, I'm I'm a huge DC sports fan and, and just being able to see that run and just all the I mean the things that had to happen for the Nets, you know, to you know, get out of the wild card game and then beating the Dodgers and, and beating Astro. I mean, it was just the run was something that you 
you can't even dream about, you know, and uh, it's just been an exciting, exciting time for DC sports fans, which, you know, I wasn't around for I me. Mean, I was, I was alive, but wasn't really coherent when the Redskins were winning back in the late eighties and early nineties. And, you know, it's just something that, you know, it's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain in words that, uh, you know, the, the, the DC sports is actually winning championships, you know, it's, uh, it's quite, quite crazy. Oh. I can say, I think we both know exactly what you mean. It's been a, it was a tough run until the last few years to be DC sports fan. <laughs> yeah, correct. Oh, well, Eric, I, I need to thank you personally for contributing to all the Maryland memories that I have, because that 2010 team for me was like the one that cemented my Maryland fandom for life. So I got to thank you for your role in that. I appreciate the, appreciate the support and uh, I'm glad we could do that for you. And Eric, thanks for coming on and joining us here on this victorious Sunday morning. Oh, yeah. It's always nice to, to get on a show after a win and uh, be able to talk about all the good things that's happened in there in Maryland. And uh, it's looking like it's going to be a, a fun uh, fun march there. So it's, uh, it's I really hope it will be. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Eric, for uh, coming on. All right. Not a problem. Anytime, guys. And we'd like to thank Eric Hayes again for coming on the podcast and talking about his time, well, all over the world with us. Yeah, um, I personally love hearing these stories from players overseas. Um, I think it's always cool to see what goes on in European basketball, which is different than American basketball. And he kind of touched on that. Um, but it's great to hear that he's doing well. And uh, I do need to say that Eric Hayes, I wasn't exaggerating, he and that Maryland team, that, that class he was part of, Fernand Mober and Grius Vasquez, Dave Neal, all those guys, was like it was the thing that established my own fandom maybe more than any other team yeah definitely the same thing for me you know those you know 09 and and 2010 years really were the first time that i remember watching you know every maryland game and and being there in the as then known comcast center jordan when they beat duke and they beat north carolina and you know i actually think and that's a game that i forgot to bring up with eric when they beat north carolina when it snowed up what was it, 36 inches on the DMV. And, Jordan, we got near courtside for that one. Uh, they invite all the fans down to the lower deck, crazy student section. Carolina, well, they were having a year similar to the one that they're having right now. They ended up in the NIT that season. Yeah, and Eric Hayes had a great game. Well, we really should have brought that up. Maybe we'll, if we invite him back on. Um, but that was, I think, his best game as a trip. I don't remember exactly, though. But, yeah, it was, it's always cool to talk to people who really help shape your fandom like that. Yeah, and Eric uh, gave us a lot of good insight onto what you know this te- year's team's doing and and the special moments they're having as we get closer to March and we get closer to the Big Ten tournament that it looks like Jordan and I will both be making it out to now. Uh, I'm gonna try to bring that up. You beat me to it. Yeah, um, we're both be in Indianapolis. So if you are coming out to see the Terps, we're almost guaranteed the first round by at this point unless we have a total collapse. So if you are uh, coming up for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday games, be sure to let us know on Twitter. Um, but we'll be there, and um, I'm excited. I've only been to one Big Ten tournament before this. This is your first one, isn't it, Mason? It's my first conference tournament overall. I've been to some for some other sports. Well, have I? Yes, I've been to some conference tournament games for some other sports. My first uh, basketball conference tournament this will be. Uh, Jordan, I'm locked in for it. Are, are you locked in yet? Locked in for what? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Are, are you locked in for the Big Ten tournament? Yes, I am. I bought the tickets, uh, flight tickets last night. And uh, do you remember our first big, our first conference tournament game, Mason? It wasn't an ACC one. 
Yeah, it was American going to the NCAA tournament, Patriot League champions. Yes, you do remember that was a that was a fun environment to be in. There, that building that building could not have been fire code. That building was packed. But um, excited to get out there. Hopefully, I am. I have some hope this year that we could win the conference tournament, which is something I'd never have. I, at least I have no memory of us ever doing. But this team is special. And I hope I hope we'll be holding the trophy in Indianapolis this year. That would be great, but there's still basketball to play. Jordan uh, Terps hosting or yeah, hosting Northwestern next, right? Yep, uh, the worst team, maybe the Power Five, Power Six, excuse me. Um, but as we saw with Nebraska, apparently it doesn't matter how bad the team is. Maryland's always going to play a competitive game. Well, maybe not. I think that they're due for a blowout win. I think this will be it. But we'll be back with another podcast after that. Hopefully win. If not, that would be a very disappointing podcast. But uh, we're going to go ahead and say that one will be a victorious podcast. We might try something different and let us know your thoughts about this. Uh, Jordan and I are thinking about doing a live post-game podcast for uh, the rest of the season where we would take your live questions and maybe try and take some of your live calls on that podcast. Uh, Give us a tweet about what you think about that at YoungTurp1 on Twitter. And I think that's about as good a place to leave it for this one, Jordan. Yes, it is. Uh, thank you for listening, and uh, go Terps. Yeah, and as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Viner Forgates and Rockville, for all of your business IT needs. Viner Forgates is your place to go. You can reach them at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com, and Ally Party Rentals for all your party rental needs. Big or small, Allied is your place to go in the DMV and around the country, and that is Allied Party Rentals. We thank them for their continued sponsorship of the Young Turps podcast. Let us know. We really are interested in what you think about our live podcast idea at Young Turp one on Twitter. Just tweet us your thoughts there, or you can send us a DM about it. And as always, thanks for listening.